Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 19 of The Snapshot. We are your hosts. My name is Brendan Patrick, and I'm joined by none other than Marvel Snap Phenom, Cam Best. The Snapshot is a Marvel Snap podcast focused on the competitive side of the game. For episode 19, we're joined by legendary Marvel Snap content creator, Kyla Tech, to discuss, honestly, a bunch of topics in Snap right now. Let's get into it. So we have with us Kawa Tech, the legendary tournament host, the person who really put Marvel Snap Esports such as it currently exists on the map in terms of actually getting numbers before anyone else was doing it for a tournament. And I, I he, he's making a face right now. He's making a face like, oh, that wasn't me. He's like, no, I didn't do that. I would also, I, I will say, I'm going to anticipate some of it. Uh, huge shout out to the people who helped him there. Uh, Super Tech and Loot Muncher absolutely deserve a shout out there too. Uh, so one thing that's interesting to me about Kawa though, is since then he's sort of, I don't know if I would say necessarily transitioned, but he's become much more of a tournament oriented player. I know he tests with Moyen. I know he's had some success in some of these smaller open tournaments. I know that he competed pretty at a pretty high level in my best of the besties tournaments. So I do want to be clear. We're not just having Kawa on here as like, oh, this is the tournament host guy. This is a really damn good Marvel snap player. Welcome, Kyle. I appreciate so, that, Kyle. That, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a huge back. compliment. Huge compliment, my friend. I really appreciate that. Well, we appreciate you coming on, man. Um, I know you have to wake up at some ridiculous hour, which we were talking about before. Pod. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here, I actually, I, I do what I, this is going to be insane. I might be the only person in the world interested in this. How do you do content when it's 3 a.m. for you when it's like right now? You're uh, recording this at like 3 a.m., right? Yeah, it's three AM. Yeah, I'm just used to. It's, it's like ever since they made the card changes, I just I just do it. Like sleep is the week. That's what I say. Yeah. Don't you <laughs> like? I mean, I know you were in university, right? Like, I still am, yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're gonna just you're just doing it. You're just like this is fine. We're rocking it, yeah. Every Thursday, you're waking up to do the the OTAs. Uh, Actually, not, OTAs probably happen at a more reasonable time for you. Yeah, it's just Tuesdays for the new cards. That's the yeah. So the new cards, new cards happening. I mean, they drop at like what noonish, right? Like for us at least. So it like used to be like it used to be eight, 8 p.m. It used to be eight yeah. p.m. for me, which is great. And then they changed it. I was like, mm, okay, time to get up at three a.m. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's an absolute savage. Well, speaking of tournaments, um, you recently took down a tournament. Um, I have a tweet here from Lowell. Uh, it, said you, it said the online cup. I don't know if there's another name to that, but particularly your list, uh, which I'll read out for the audio listeners, which is Sunspot, Nebula, Goose, Armor, Jeff, Storm, Wave, Jessica Jones, Enchantress, Dr. Doom, America Chavez, She-Hulk. So a lot of things sort of I think the landscape changed to allow lists like this to sort of come into the meta and dominate, specifically Nebula releasing very, very powerful one drop and Enchantress, that 4-6 buff. Talk to me a little bit about this list, what it does, and how you landed on it. 100%. Well, how I landed on it was I have to give full credit to Shade. So every week, myself and Shade, we cover a video on the new card. Uh, so for the Nebula, she made four different lists. This one just seemed to be the best because Doomwave was always just like a good, generally a good deck to use. So we tested it out, but as we were kind of playing it, for actually for the entire video, we went undefeated, pretty much undefeated besides one or two retreats. Uh, so after that video, I said, okay, maybe, maybe this deck's okay, but you know, it's ladder, it's whatever. It's, you know, start of a new season as well. Could be bots, could be whatever. Um, but the more we played it, the more we found that it was like really, really good, especially like some cards in there like Goose and kind of unexpected stuff that you wouldn't think is kind of too good 
turned out to be extremely good because of the stuff that you can do with like wave on turn five, allowing you to do, you know, your two cost She-Hulk into the goose lane. If you mm -hmm. still need to put it there, extra power, uh, the doom to go wide, of course, uh, Jeff being a key card. Uh, there's, there's a meme going around with me and uh, Dara because Dara actually had up on a stream. What's the replacement for Jeff? Because that's the question I just get constantly at the moment is, is what's the replacement for Jeff? But like, it's, it's really interesting. This is the one deck that I feel like he's extremely good in because he really helps with that kind of uh, versatility, flexibility, especially when you're kind of playing a semi kind of like lockdown list with Goose and Storm, that type of thing. Uh, but yeah, overall, it's been super effective. The one card that I would kind of say is maybe a flex spot is the Enchantress. So originally that was Arrow. Did perform really well, stops, you know, any Galactus players. Uh, also, you know, depending on the meta, it could just be a Shang-Chi. If there's just bigger cards rather than ongoing cards, it could just be a Shang. Um, but yeah, for the most part, the deck's been super, super good. You can storm a lane, lock it down. If you storm a Jess, it's actually crazy how often you actually just win a lane off of that. A lot of people, I think, think it's a straightforward combo, but it's near, It's crazy how often you just take a lane with that combo. I then do, mm. do want to jump off of that mm -hmm. because you talk about the storm Jessica stuff. It's very mm -hmm. strong. You have storm mm -hmm. Nebula. And I feel like this deck is less reliant on always drawing wave than a normal doom wave deck. So in light of that, I'm interested in the idea of what if we don't run America Chavez? And I'd like to know what your thoughts are on that, because as I understand the Doomwave lists and I've talked to like the guy who popularized them in the first place about this a couple of times, WW Los, or as I like to call him, Wubba Los, <laughs> um, you run it because if you don't play Wave on five, you just die. But I don't think that's true about your deck. I think you have other avenues to victory through this lockdown stuff. And I'm kind of wondering what your experience with Chavez was, because being able to top deck a Doom or a She-Hulk is extremely good. And you are giving that up in exchange for, if I'm not mistaken, a three to four percent boost in playing Wave on five. Yeah, so that is actually quite an interesting point. Uh, the times when I have had to do, if I don't have Doom, and I still have Wave, and then it guarantees say, if I do She-Hulk and Chavez, still being able to spread that kind of nine and eight, not that nine and nine has been really good. I think in the tournament today, I kind of proved that as well. I wasn't expecting it to be that good. But again, if you have Goose down and you still put nine in a lane like that and then put nine somewhere else, it's been pretty effective. It also like, from me, from all of my Chavez experience, the, the three to 4%, I, I don't know if it's probably just me, but I do really tend to notice it. And for me, it's just kind of this peace of mind thing. You know what I mean? Of course, people have their opinions of, oh, maybe it's it's good, maybe it's not. But for me, I just like to make sure I get my early game. And yes, there's a lot of early game in this, right? There's a lot of ones, there's a lot of twos, you know what I mean? But if, I, like, if I'm playing a game, especially with a deck like this, and I don't get a one or a two, I'm like really, really mad. Like, which is funny though, because <laughs> yes. even if I even if I don't, I can still do if I have if I have a heavy hand and I still go storm Jess. That's still pretty good if my hand's pretty heavy and I, you know what I mean. It's 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 kind of crazy yeah. that I'm saying oh if I don't get my early game I'm fucked. But that's not true. You know what I mean? Like you can you can still do it. So overall so I think the Chavez has yeah, been good. That's where yeah. my head mm. was at. Where it's like mm. I'm not really sure if this is actually something we need in here anymore. Mm -hmm. But is there a card that you were like oh I wish I could run this card? Not. Not really. Like, if you want to put two tech cards in it, you can. Like, this, the, th the good thing about Arrow that I did find, right, is that it's just, if you want to look at this deck in terms of curve, right, that would, that's it's perfect, right? It's basically one, two, three, four, five, six, mm. if you want it to be like that, or one, two, three, four, wave on five, you know what I mean? So having the option to have Arrow, which in general is just like a nicely statted card as well. I did kind of miss Arrow in situations, but then there was other times 
when I'm like, well, if Enchantress was Arrow, I would prefer it to be Enchantress, right? So it just depends on matchup and stuff. So like, from my testing, today was actually the first time I used Enchantress within the tournament, and I found it to be extremely useful, except the one time I faced this random guy playing Uwatu Galactus in the tournament. But hey, I, <laughs> I digress, yeah. Um, I'm so obviously Nebula came out, makes it in your list. Very popular on ladder now nowadays. Uh, my question to you is, what do you think is the appropriate power level for season pass card? You know, before Nebula was released, we did see Sunspot nerfed. Kitty Pride obviously came out, still don't have her back yet. It was okay. I'm sad about that. But do you think that season pass card should be more in line with like the Silver Surfer Zabu power level pre nerf? Maybe you could argue Nebula gets close to that, or should they be more these sort of archetype supporting cards? Maybe like Modok. I actually really like the way that Nebula is kind of a card that people say you can just put her into any deck. That's just better for people that actually want to spend the money on her. People that have, you know, people that are going to spend the money on her. It's like really, really good. Cards like Miles and Modoc, they're fun, but they are like that little bit restrictive. In terms of like, I don't know, I can compare it to kind of like Daredevil. Daredevil can't go into every list, but you can put them in a lot of lists, mainly kind of control types of stuff. But I prefer cards, yes, I prefer cards that you have the options to play it on a lot of different things rather than kind of one or two things. It's also, like I said, for the players, it gives the players incentive to say, oh, well, you can basically play this thing anything I want. I'll probably buy the season pass, right? But in terms of the the power level of Zabu and Surfer, I, I hated that meta <laughs> so, so much, yeah. man. I, I yeah, despise them. I, I, I just want to say, the idea that Nebula is even close to that, I find just 100% ridiculous. Like, you mm. look at this list, right? And you see, like, it might not be obvious, but you're paying a cost for running Nebula, and that's you're running armor. Like, yeah, you are yeah, running know, this yeah. card in your list because you are so afraid of your one drop getting blown up. And if you're not running that card, I don't think you are reasonably favored into, like, a Sarah deck. Like, you're gonna run into a lot of issues doing that. And, like, you're paying the price here because anything running Killmonger that can reasonably interact with you is gonna, like, it's gonna be an issue to deal with. That's kind of why I think people have been overreacting to Nebula mm. in the sense of, like, in all the decks I play her in, like, yeah, you could play her in all these decks, but I find it hard to, like, really notice the difference between, like, you know, Nebula and Iceman mm -hmm. in a deck. And Sunspot like, has it's, that it's, nice, uh, that sort of that, it pairs very nicely with She-Hulk as well, which Nebula doesn't yes. quite do as much. Um, I think, yeah, you're right. Nebula is less powerful than Zabu and Silver Surfer by a significant amount, but it's a bit more ubiquitous across what decks you could put it in. I mean, it's just a solid one drop. And yeah, you don't it's really just, it's just good, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's just good. But like, it's not, if it is the best one drop, it's like one drop Jeff, right? Where it's like Jeff goes in a million decks because it's just like, yeah, it's really easy to put Jeff in a deck. Mm -hmm. But there are going to be situations where you'd rather be playing Scorpion than Jeff. There are going to be situations in a similar vein when you'd rather be playing Sunspot than Nebula. There are going to be situations where you'd rather be playing Iceman or Korg than Nebula. Like, these situations exist and are actually fairly common. Like, if you were to cut one one-drop from a Hawk Miles stature deck, you're not cutting Korg. <laughs> like, this is... This is... I don't know. She's a really powerful card, but this is the first deck I've seen her in that's like half a deck that really optimizes mm. her, but half a deck that can win another way. And I think this deck does that. Discard does that. It's like Discard with Storm right now is a deck I've been playing a lot of. It does the same thing. Optimizes your Nebula without making you so reliant on the Nebula. Because if someone plays a Killmonger and you're counting on this Nebula, you lose the game. And that's what balances her, is that she is... Very good, but very vulnerable. And other one drops that 
have ETB effects or synergize with other cards better might be the choice over her a lot of the time. She's a default card, but that's not always the best option. Mm-hmm. So would you say feels feels kind of appropriate for the kind of card you would like to see from a season pass? Yeah, I would. Up. Makes I sense. agree, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. what do you guys think is the sort of deck to beat right now? Do you think it's um, these Black Bolt stature decks? Because those have written, yes. risen popularity a lot. Um, do you think that they're the best deck, or do you think the meta is very dynamic and that we might, you know, maybe next week there's going to be something that sur- sort of supersedes it? Those decks are so damn good and so damn easy to play <laughs> that, like, their win rates on untapped, I went and looked at the win rates on untapped, and it's like the first three decks uh with like more it's like i said i sorted by 200 like 70 to 100 uh 200 plus games 70 to 100 rank 2000 plus collection level and like the first three decks were that deck of different types mm-hmm. it was just all that deck it's like uh one of them ran nebula and was labeled nebula instead of correctly one of them didn't run nebula one of them had lizard instead of jeff that's the deck right like whether or not whether or not that's true at the highest levels of play is one thing but i think on ladder it's kind of undeniable mm-hmm. that you need to respect that and i think it's very i think clear to me that that deck is the spiritual successor to dino Darkhawk. Mm-hmm. enchantress got nerfed now we're playing a different big five drop that comes with some other stuff <laughs> So now we're dodging all these tech cards. No one can Shang-Chi my 5-8. I get a 5-7 stature. That's basically Dino's 15 points. Like, that's yeah. that's what it's doing. It's Dino Hawk, but a little bit different because now there's a bunch of Enchantresses everywhere. I love that uh, I love that you play Black Bolt so you can play a one-cost a one cost stature, but playing against Black Bolt when you're not on that deck and you're playing some sort of, I don't know, a bit more synergistic deck like Death Wave... Holy shit, dude. That, that, yes. that black bolt hits and your death goes oh, no, and you're man. like, God damn. And it always hits death because they wave on five and death is going to be discounted. So it's never not the cheapest card in their hands. Oh my God. Same situation with this deck, right? That, I, that I'm playing. If I'm facing the black bolt deck and I'm waving on five, either my shield or my doom is going. Pretty, pro, well, it's not going to be, not going to be guaranteed, but pretty much if that's like, you know, I've got three got cards in my hand. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, those, those decks are absolutely crazy. I think it's very key what you said as well, KM, is like, if I'm playing any deck that I know is technically not vulnerable to Shang, I feel so good. I feel so comfortable because it's like, what real like tech can you do? You just have to have stats. That's basically how you have to beat me pretty much, you know? So yeah, it's yeah. only Darkhawk and you just don't play Dark. If you think they have Shang, you just play it on turn six. It's like, okay, yeah. cool. I have actually seen people running Ghost in the list. I think that's like a bridge too far, but I get mm-hmm. it. Like, it's like, uh, for me, I'd much rather just, you know, play to throw priority than just play a Misty Knight and yeah. make sure I don't have flight priority. But like, I get it. I get why your thought process with that is. It Ca- does mean that there are more situations that make it work. Mm, calling yeah. Ghost a Misty Knight just, oh, it hurts so deep. <laughs> Sorry, she's bad, Misty Knight, because she doesn't get buffed by Patreon. Oh, God. Take the knife out of my back. Misty Knight, Misty Knight has seen more play than Ghost over the last month, probably by like a factor of 10. 100%. Um, <laughs> definitely. Anyway. Is, uh, Go, is Ghost Series 3 now? Series she, 4. Okay. She's 3K. Okay. Mm. okay. All right, Kyle, I want to talk grassroots tournaments because... Um, yeah, so what is just to get people on the same page, so what does grassroots mean? I guess it just means community-led tournaments, not coming sort of top down from someone like Second Dinner. I want to mm-hmm. ask, do you think, well, you put on 
probably the most famous and the biggest sort of grassroots-esque tournament. I don't know how much Second Dinner uh, was involved, but do you think that is the future of competitive Marvel Snap? Or do you think we're going to, are you looking for a future where we have some sort of curated tournament circuit from uh, the publisher of the game? So our whole idea of doing Creator Clash was just to showcase what a possible, you know, LAN in-person tournament event like this could look like for Snap. I think we definitely did that. And in terms of what like my expectations would be, I would love for Second Dinner to get involved and start doing their own stuff. But for me, like what, what I'm able to accomplish, there's already like really good online tournaments being run by so many great uh, members of the community. My aim is to just keep showing what big events like this could be. I mm-hmm. take a lot of time with my events to plan them like months in advance. We, we, like, we, we've been org- organizing this new one that we're doing for, for literally like the past two, three months ago. That's when we started the idea because as long as we have time to think about what we can do, I really believe that we can execute a really well-run tournament. So again, yeah, it's kind of just to showcase and show Second Dinner that people want to play in, in tournaments like this. Viewers want to see tournaments like this and basically that there is the potential for an actual esports scene. And at the end of the day, because Snap is so fresh, the only people that are going to be able to showcase that and show Second Dinner that is the players, is the, the community, right? So that was the whole kind of goal. And I think we definitely achieved that. Uh, yes, it was complete grassroots invested a lot of time, a lot of money into it, but that's that's what's kind of, as I said, like just my overall goal. That's what I want to do if I'm playing in the tournaments, if I'm organizing tournaments, it doesn't matter to me. I could be an outsider. If any, any way that I want to help out the scene, that's what I want to do mm-hmm. at the end of the day. That's my main so, goal. I have one question. We could edit this out if you don't want to answer. Yeah, 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 for sure. Did you make a profit on it? No, not at all. Are you joking me? No. I don't know. Like, I don't know. How, I'm like, I have no idea what the back end financials of this look like. And I have no idea, like, what funding comes from sponsors and things like that. I imagined I, I, watching it that I was like, no way, because the production value seemed like pretty high. But I did want to actually just ask. No, we did not make any profit out of it. It was all out of pocket. But at the end of the day, so we can, we can come back into it now. So at the end of the day, it was kind of like, we didn't even want this to be uh, like there was no prize money it was just hey guys we're throwing this tournament together mm-hmm. if you guys want to come to new york you know let's play some snap we're all we all love this game let's try and do it so that was a whole goal i was very fortunate that everyone was gonna come on board to do it just for the love of the game just to meet up with creators that type of thing and then when you were talking about sponsorship we got untapped uh, to come on board two weeks before the event uh i was you know they brought out their deck tracker that was the kind of thing that was going on at the mm-hmm. time and they said oh you're running your event uh, like, do you guys need some support or whatever? And I was like, oh, this is really generous, really kind. But it was two weeks before the event. We pretty much had everything sorted in terms of production. Everything was kind of ready. So they were like, what can we offer you? I'm like, well, like, I, I guess we could do a, like, the idea of a prize pool for me was to just give it back to these players because they're coming to this event out of pocket. You know what I mean? It's just something to they say, you know, if you come over, you do well, here's some money. But then at the same time, because some of these creators were, mainly creators are not as competitive as the other players. I didn't want it to feel too daunting to them. Like, oh, there's money involved now. Like, you know what I mean? That type of situation. But I think overall it was it was super dope. The, the, everything about that event was was awesome. Uh, and I'm personally, I'm super happy that Harry won it. He came all the way from Cyprus. He's the person who traveled the furthest and he, uh, he won it all. So yeah, it was an absolute blast. He brought the best deck. I don't know what, yep. I don't know what to tell you. Like, like, that was a deck 
I was kind of on the Thanos list, not the one that he brought by the time that tournament happened. But by the time deck registration had to happen, the fact that he was on it is like super impressive mm-hmm. to me. Like once once we saw the lists, it was pretty clear, I think, to me that anyone who had a Thanos lockjaw list was going to be like super favored. And Harry knocked it out of the park. He also played amazingly. Yeah. One of the things I, I wanted to highlight, I know this is like forever ago and no one's going to remember the way he was able to use his snaps for pressure is exactly how you're supposed to play Thanos. And he knew that like a week into the Thanos meta, basically. That's the kind of thing that people didn't know, even at high ELO for a very long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kawa, talk to me about what the in-person aspect of these tournaments adds to them. Because Marvel Snap being a digital game, I think a lot of people will look to set up tournaments and they'll take the route of, let's do this remote, right? Let's do this digitally. I personally play a lot of in-person card games. It's a very big part of my life. And I think that you lose a lot of the essence of what makes card games so awesome when you do go fully digital and you do go fully remote. So talk to me about sort of the LAN aspect of Marvel Snap, why you chose to do it, and what you think it adds to the tournament experience. 100%. 100%. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I thought was super dope was like, we actually had the players facing off against each other, like actually looking at each other. We had, they had like uh, notepads. We had a, obviously we had our main section with the, the two main players, the broadcast playing on the iPads. Uh, there's a section I can, I can send you the, the pictures of after this. There was a section where everyone was just like sitting in a line of, of rows of seats with their notepad, with their phones playing against each other. People had like, you know, like the sunglasses on and stuff. So you couldn't like tell like if they're looking left or right or stuff like to, to like to play the location here or to play the card in the center and stuff like that. So like it was, it was super, super interesting. Uh, it was all really, really friendly as well. Like it was competitive, but friendly and it, like, no, I kind of expected, oh, maybe some people are going to be like, you know, don't talk to me. Like I'm playing a tournament, you know what I mean? But everyone was like super, super friendly, even the, even the like real competitive people. Uh, so yeah, what it adds to it is uh, an experience like no other, right? The fact that you're all there together. You're all fake. Like one thing that I loved was there's a moment within this the stream where I believe it was the semifinals, and it's like probably both players are on about two health, and it's D Money versus versus Coco. D Money wins it, and we're all on one side of the room watching on 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 the screen, and of course it's delayed by like whatever five ten seconds, and then we all just go over and we jump on top of them. Like you you can't you can't do that for online tournaments. Like do you know what I mean? It was it was. Uh, Probably one of the most surreal experiences. Yeah, I remember that moment because yeah. the entire chat took it as evidence that Coco was ghosting. I oh, remember really? that. Yes, the entire chat was like, that's why they're celebrating. <laughs> that's why they're happy because he beat the ghoster. Oh, man. Yeah, I actually do want to briefly talk about the whole Coco situation because I know there was actually a lot of things saying, you know, he was accused of cheating and all of this stuff, you know, because he was the only person, obviously, he was still at home and I allowed him to play in the event. Coco was ready to come to the event. He deserved to be at that event. So the one thing I've obviously learned from my, my first time organizing a land like this is in the future, no matter what, just everyone has to be in person. No excuses, I'm sorry. But like for, for the first one, Coco was 100% ready to come. Unfortunately, he just had some really tough, unexpected financial issues, literally like a week before. And uh, I was like, you know what? We've, you've been, you know, ready to come to this tournament for so long. I'll make it work. I'll, I'll figure it out. So we looked into it. Coco's one of my closest friends. I don't believe anything went on. Obviously, for me being in New York, there's no way for us to prove any of that, right? You know what I mean? But uh yeah, I remember. I remember that, that, that this chat was having a, a field day. You no, know, like that, like that specific moment was like yeah. they're smoking gun. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's very funny for you to bring that up. Is like that's just how it was because everyone was excited to be there. But no, no, you're covering up the truth. You're covering up. 
truth here. Well, yeah, it's because we didn't want to just jump around on like on, on an empty chair and start yeah, yeah, raising the chair. Like, it. like go, you go, can't go. sell. You should have yeah. done that. Oh my I know god! We that yeah, been... we should have done that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that would have been awesome. <laughs> been so good. What's uh, what's currently the biggest hurdle with putting out events like this? I'll be honest with you, sponsors, one hundred percent. Like, like for the first one, like I said, we did all of it out of pocket, and I was happy to do it. Uh, you know, what I mean, like I, I knew in the first one, I don't ever expect to make anything from these. It's all for the love and passion of the game, right? But if you throw, like, coming off of that event how successful it was. It was the most uh, viewed Marvel Stop tournament on Twitch, was received really, really well. Coming into the second one that I'm doing in the UK this June, I'm like, right, we need to make it bigger and better. Uh, I reached out to so many sponsors. I did like a professional portfolio, a deck, everything. Mm -hmm. So many sponsors because it's so fresh, because it's so new, because it's a risk. Uh, that's been the biggest challenge so far. But one thing I will say is ever since I made the video announcing the UK event, the support I've received from this community is unbelievable. Like it's actually been surreal since I posted that video. People have, individuals have DM'd me privately. Companies have reached out. People want to uh, like write articles about the the event. They they gave me this headline. They were like, Marvel Snap content creators take esports into their own hands and stuff like this. You know what I mean? So That's like, so it gets, good though. Yeah, yeah. It makes me really excited. It makes me really proud. You know what I mean? That like, I feel like... Uh, it's it's tough because I'm sitting here sending emails, doing all this by myself, and then you know the community is is there. I can see the support, so it really means a lot to me. That's definitely been the the toughest thing. Obviously, another big thing is um, because I'm in you know in one country and we're trying events in another country. A huge thing is to try and have someone that's kind of at least close to the venue or kind of on site. That's a huge thing that for the previous event, Ken Super Tech God, he was in New York, so he was able to like source out the venue and stuff. For the UK event, we have uh, Raven who is a professional Hearthstone mm -hmm. caster. Uh, he is actually from Manchester, so he was able to kind of do stuff with the event. So it's it's quite um, useful to have something like that because they can kind of look at the venue and say, okay, can we make this work, that, that type of thing. When you're looking at videos, you're looking at all this type of stuff, it's quite difficult. That really gives me a good kind of uh, peace of mind going into an event like this because they've been at the venue. They can see what we need, you know what I mean? So having that is definitely an advantage for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And I know you went to um, another experience in Switzerland. How did how did that go? Oh, bro. Switzerland was, again, one of the most amazing experiences. It's funny because they, they did one straight after the New York event. Mm -hmm. It was a week after the New York event. I was talking to them about it. I was like, you know, maybe I can come, whatever. And coming off of the New York event, it was so good. I was so tired. I was like, I got to, you know, make the YouTube video for the New York event. And he was like, we really want you there. So I managed to go and going to Switzerland the weekend after New York, again, was one of the best decisions I ever made for multiple reasons. The networking I did in for EU, me being from EU, it, it meant the world to me because I'm meeting more people that are interested in Snap, you know, the, the kind of community that I wasn't as engaged with. And that was absolutely awesome. The venue was absolutely unbelievable. Like the most professional thing I've I've been to in terms of like a LAN event it was super, super dope. And then this one that we had, what was it, like two weeks ago or whatever, was, oh, it was amazing. Like, we got uh, Spessy and Nina, we got, like, super, super good casters, really good, like, uh, creators and competitors, right? I feel like that event was the first one. So we had, like, Moyen, we had Anomaly, like, we, we had people that play in these online tournaments a lot. Names that, when I'm playing these tournaments, I'm like, oh. And then you get to get put a face to the name, like, it was super, super dope. So that tournament was really interesting because I felt like the competitiveness was just like lifted up 
so much compared to the last event. Uh, and yeah, and production, everything was like ran so, so well. It was Everything about it was super dope. Do you think that Marvel Snap functions well as a competitive game? I think so, 100%. I think it's, it's maybe, I don't want to say daunting for people to get into tournaments or even it's, it's kind of interesting like viewing tournaments i think viewing a competitive tournament in marvel snap is maybe easier than viewing a say like a hearthstone competitive tournament because the gameplay is just so simple yes. like you can have some some person that's a casual that, that plays the game for an hour a day on the bus ride to work or something like that right but if they see a tournament or they see a youtube video They'll understand for the for the most part. They'll understand how the game works. They'll understand. Oh, he did this because he's trying to just win these two lanes. That's all he has to do. So um, I think we just need to kind of figure out what's the best way to um, you know show you know let let these uh, kind of casual uh, players into the scene like an easy way to say, look, this is what's going on. We kind of just need to make them aware of what's going on because it it can seem daunting. Tournaments, competitive stuff. You know what I mean? Battle mode because most people play ladder. Like you know what I mean? So. Um, I think Conquest will help with that. I'm really confident that Conquest is going to help with that. Uh, I know you're super excited about that game as well. Uh, that's literally going to be my game mode. That's all I'm going to play. Like, I'm super, super excited. So, yeah, I think that's something to definitely look forward to. And I do think that's going to help out the competitive scene in the long run. Mm-hmm. Um, one follow-up here in terms mm-hmm. of getting new players into the competitive scene because one of the things i've noticed about the competitive scene is like it's kind of like a lot of the same people doing well at tournaments and it's a Mm. lot of the same people so i guess my question would be you are someone who was not a grinder that is not what you were famous for you were not famous for getting to high infinite ranks or whatever and you are someone who has gotten into that in terms of I guess my question would be, how much would you say you've improved as a player of Marvel Snap over the course of, say, the last four months? <sighs> the, the tournaments have really made me, in, like, the, the improvements. When you're in that kind of tournament competitive environment, it has helped me so much, uh, especially the, the, the openness tournaments are the ones that I specifically like. Um, because I feel like when you have access to all the information, if you make a misplay, that's on you right? You know what I mean? Like, you have all the information. You should know I stay in or I retreat. Yes, there's going to be some RNG involved. 50-50s might happen. But 90% 90 of the time, you're reading the information, right? So you should know if you're going to win this game, if I should leave. He probably has Shang. He's probably going to do this. Uh, So it's just made me much more aware. And then it's actually transferred to ladder games, right? I'm like, I'm going to lose, just retreat or whatever. And a big thing for me is because I was, you know, previously... Um, obviously I'm still a content creator, but I'm like, oh, you know what? Maybe I could win. Let's just, let's just fucking stay in and see what happens. You know, that's a big, that's a big thing I've had to overcome. Like even practicing with, uh, with Moyen in Switzerland, he's like, Kyle, what are you doing? I'm like, yeah, but what? He's like, no, just, pr- there's a button on the bottom left. Just press it and move on to the next game. Like, do you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I've definitely improved my kind of just like awareness and knowing when to retreat and stuff like that. And, uh, I will often play in these tournaments, even if I'm like testing out a certain deck or whatever, because it puts you in an environment like no other, right? When you're in these kind of tournaments, you can't really, you can scream and you can practice against other really good players, but doing a tournament run against a variety of kind of different decks, you don't get that experience any other way in Marvel Snap at the moment until, yeah, until the new mode comes out. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about Conquest, but let's talk about Ladder. So Ladder, uh, yeah, unfortunately it's a bit broken It's and that's how it's been for a while. We did have a change that looked a bit, we were off. Op- it's broken a whole new way now. I know, guys. we were optimistic. Guys, there's a whole new way for Ladder to suck. It's bad. So, um, I also do have. You mind if I, do you mind if I just, you, give me, give me a minute? Yeah, you got I got it. one minute worth of Ladder, mm-hmm. all right? 
Yeah, one minute. So now ladder is broken a different way where everyone who was playing only bots in infinite is now playing only bots on the climb, mm-hmm. right? Which it's like, okay, it's broken a whole new way. They're roughly equivalent. They're not equivalent. Do you know why they're not equivalent? Because now there's no setting on untap.gg that can get rid of the bots. Mm. I can't look at any data and say there's no bots in here anymore. Agatha is at the top of the win rate charts <laughs> on no when I look at there's like an Agatha deck at the top of the deck charts when I look at 70 to 100. It's like the fourth deck or whatever, because it's just some guy bot farming. And it's like, wait, I can't I can't actually get rid of this now. I can't look those numbers don't help me anymore. It, that's the main casualty of this recent rank change. I will say after infinite, it is a little better. Mm-hmm. I'm playing humans. I can't complain. Maybe when the same more people human, get there. It'll be better. It's all good. No, but like when more people get there, it'll be better. Yeah, yeah there's going to be a lot of me playing the same people. I play like five people right now, but it's like, that's fine. Like that's it. That's the consequence. I'll live with it. The bots below infinite is like, I don't know if I hate it or love it. It's definitely bad for the data websites, but it's like starting with an 11 star bonus in Hearthstone. Yes. One of my proposed fixes is just like, don't even make me climb anymore. Mm-hmm. Just let me just be at infinite and do whatever. I don't even think it like the climb does nothing. They're doing everything they can to trivialize it. It was more trivial this month than it ever has been for someone in my situation. Just let me stay there. I don't even care. Just make it <laughs> mi- minus 30 agnostic of rank. So if you're 130, you go to 100 or something. I don't know. Um, so I had a funny run in with like seeing because we've talked about how broken this is. We had people comment on our previous YouTube video is like, hey, in 95, like every we're just only bonds. And we're like, OK, that's weird. That's not what we expected. Well, my, yeah. I was a, I was two headed giant with my friend. I'm collection level about 10,000. Um, he's 2000. Um, we both get reset to 70. Um, I'm doing my standard kind of slow ish climb up because that's just where i'm at with my elo and then my friend who's collection level 2000 cruises and i was like what the fuck is going on he's like dude i only play bots and i was like what and he was he was all infinite 100 but because his collection level is 2000 so like your collection level obviously takes precedence before your mmr so if you're in that lower collection level you're also in bot elo so you're in body elo if you're too high and you get set back down um at the beginning of the city but also if your collection level is low and you're high rank you're also in bot elo so there's like this perfect place where you can just pretty much only face humans, <laughs> which is, uh, yeah, it's just hilarious because if there was, if there, basically if there was no rank associated with the Marvel snap, um, queue up and play experience, it would make more sense. But with the, with the yes. rank, we have this like super asymmetric climb from 70 to hundred and you've got people in our comments being like, Oh, we only face boss. The other guys are like, fuck all these guys. All I face is hard people because <laughs> you know, he's on Twitter <laughs> in both of those people. Yeah, dude. Like I remember in I want to say it was like the Black Panther season. I was only playing hard people. Yep. It was the worst experience of my life having to win 300 cubes off of everyone who was so, 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 so turbo locked in and try hard. It was just like, oh, my God, why would they make it like this? Why can't I just beat people at the rank that I am at? But no, rank isn't real. It's not actually a real thing. Um, my rank, my rank 90 is not the same as your rank 90 because MMR is what dictates matchmaking. Mm-hmm. But like, it's just such a odd decision. To make. It feels, it's it feels so like a bug. Weird. It feels like a bug, but it's been in the game so long that it appears to be a feature <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck is going on? Um, but let's talk about the solution to this, which I think at this point we can lose faith in them actually fixing the ladder system. It's conquest mode, conquest mode, confirm no bots and it's battle mode. Um, 
are you guys, I, we've already kind of said it, but I'm going to leave with that question anyway. Are you planning to switch over to it? Do you think that this will improve your sort of queue up and play experience? And like, what are you excited for outside of, you know, uh, I guess those two questions, just expand upon conquest mode. I am a bronze player on ladder from now on. Honestly, if I drop, drop, I don't care. I'm only touching conquest mode because in, to me, that is what will showcase. Cause like, it's weird, right? Obviously when you get to, you know, post infinite 120, 200, whatever, obviously like these players in that bracket are like super, super skilled. They're grinding, they're playing the game a lot. But like you said, rank isn't rank at the moment. Like rank does not measure rank. But Conquest will, it will actually separate the skilled players from the non-skilled players. Although there is a one point I might touch on. Um, I don't know if they've mentioned it within the, the uh, any of the details, but I, I did hear, I think from someone, that there may be like a buy-in system using gold. Mm -hmm. Did you hear about this game? I, I'm, I'm not going crazy, right? This is You're a, not this going is crazy. I didn't hear it, but it was definitely something that people speculated on. Yeah. It'll be a little bit like Hearthstone's Arena. And I will say, if that's what it is, it does sort of kill it as a competitive game mode that everyone can access. It does end up being Arena instead of a true alt game mode. Yeah, it just like defeats competitive integrity completely, if that's the case. If I can spend 1,000 gold to just get into an infinite tournament, I'm like, R really? You know what I mean? Because then... In that mode, rank is rank, right? It has to be. But is it really if you're just paying? Like, yeah, if you're, some if people if, get more chances, right? It's yeah. like it's like uh, to not to, to find a point on my political views. It's like real life, where <laughs> like if you spend more money, the outcome is on average better. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely interesting. But overall, I'm hoping that you know, I, I want to say I trust them, and it, and it, it, you know, it works out. <laughs> I but I know this is this is this is the thing, right? I'm, I'm trying to be hopeful, but um. I guess I guess we'll see. Overall, really excited for it. Um, I think it just just in general, it should be really good for the game. I want more people to play it, right? Because it's it's interesting. I was kind of talking to the devs before about like a big thing for me is because I primarily play battle mode. That's what I love to do. Uh, I mainly play ladder for the for like you know I I climb slowly on ladder to do my I do my missions that type of thing. I will play battle mode uh, any other time I can, but I can't do my missions in battle mode, right? And they said you can do missions in conquest, which is a huge thing right. for me. And it's like. I said to the devs, I'm like, right, battle mode comes out. Like, what's your incentive to players to to want to play this mode? Yes, you can play against your friends, but like, people are gonna play one or two games against their friend and then they're gonna stop, right? This is before we knew about Conquest. So I'm like, you can't do missions, which I understand because you can farm missions and stuff like that. But I think this definitely solves that, that thing of like, how do we get people to play our new mode? There's obviously gonna be new rewards mm -hmm. in Conquest, right? That's gonna be really enticing. Players are gonna be like, oh, it's like I can finally play. A big thing is I I can just go and queue battle mode. That's fucking huge for me. I don't have to be like, oh, are any of my mates around? Do I have to do stuff like the fact that I can just queue against people playing? Because battle mode to me is how Marvel Snap should be played. I think Ben talked about this as well. It's like the it is the competitive. Like they agree, it's the competitive way to play Marvel Snap. So I'm really excited to see how the um kind of general community picks it up and finds it. You know, like how, how much the casual players are gonna gonna jump into, it, or if they're gonna stick the ladder. Like there's a there's a conversation: is it gonna separate to you're a conquest player or you're a ladder player? You do, but you know, what I mean that type of situation. Like I don't know how that's gonna kind of yeah. work out. I would ask the question: what motivates people to play Marvel Snap? 
uh, and play more than they sort of have the appetite for naturally. And I think a lot of it is the number associated with their name and the ranked rewards. Because you see people get the infinite stop. You'll see people uh, maybe strive to get 70, get 80, get that uh, get that profile picture, maybe get that 100 card back. So I think a lot of people are motivated, motivated to play more Marvel Snap for kind of specific rewards, whether it's for prestige, ego. So I think that Conquest will probably be probably be similar. But... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, ultimately, Marvel Snap, I believe the reason why it's so, so, so popular outside of being an amazing game is short game, fast, dopamine, go, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. That was what I was going to say, right? Like, what is the main motivator behind people playing Marvel Snap? Well, it's that they're pooping. <laughs> yeah. on the toilet. What do you think the main motivator is? You can do it whenever. That's what it is. And that's my, my, my major worry for battle mode and conquest generally is that one of the things that was a big draw for me is I can just play a game in like three minutes and I can just be that can be the game and I'm out and I'm done. It's done. And conquest and battle mode, it's like, all right, I got to take 30 minutes here. I got to rope every turn because that's <laughs> technically competitively optimal. <laughs> like, I got to do all of this. And it's like, oh, man, I don't know if there's an appetite for that. Yeah, even if it's for the, the 1% or the 5% of people that do play Marvel Snap, I guess, like, on the end of the standard deviation curve, like way too much. Um, I'm still happy they gave us something, right? Because Marvel Snap not having a quote-unquote end game sucks. Because you just hit infinite, and you're like, well, shit, what do I do now? I just climb to get the bot ELO? That's all there is. And you can play tournaments. Like, I think that in card games, tournaments are the end game. But if, like, currently in this game, there is obviously, they're not inherent in the client, and you have to do third-party stuff. You definitely got to drop your hoops. Um, but yeah, I mean, Conquest is like pseudo-tournaments, so we're getting close. Here's a question for you. Does it feel to anyone else, either of you, that Marvel Snap released like two to three months early? Yes. Oh, my God. Yes. Oh, yeah. my God. There's so <laughs> many basic things we don't have. I, like, they do such a good like, job by giving us random quality life updates. But holy shit. The fact that you can't mute global mute emotes makes no sense to me. Who the fuck would put a mute button on the opponent but won't give a global mute? They make it so every single time the player has to experience the, the anger that makes the mute. Like... I've just I've seen the philosophy of so many games be like we don't want our parent we don't want our players to experience anything bad therefore we won't have ranked and they go to all these extreme measures so their players can never feel uh, in what Hoyoverse would say anxiety uh, but in this game they just didn't add a global mute so you just have to get emote spammed at one point which like I got over it eventually but I was like oh my god how did they leave this in here. <laughs> There's also, I think, this thing where it's like you were asking, like, who is who is battle mode even for? You'll play it with your friends. The reason who it's for is all the people who are like, why can't we even play with our friends in this game? <laughs> the alternative is that it's not there. And it's like such a basic functionality that when they rolled it out, it's like they couldn't just be like, well, yeah, we're doing this thing we should have done like three months ago. Like, it feels like it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, this probably should have released like a little other baby beta period maybe should have gone on a little more than it actually did. And it sort of feels like a little bit like playing in a live beta sometimes. I mean, that, I mean, you see the way like it is released. The game is out, but like I mean, on PC, obviously it says early access, right? But like if we're talking for the, for the whole scope of the game, even on mobile, it's like, I mean, it is still early. There's, yeah, there's so, there's so many things that I still want. And people have kind of said this to me, like back in back when the game launched in October, like there's no friends list, there's no this, there's no that. The amount of stuff they said, and then because me playing the game for all of 
the beta and June was be oh but but you know they're only a small team they're this to dial <laughs> I'm trying to like defend all of this type of stuff and they're like it's 2022 2023 like these features should be in the game I'm like now that I'm here I'm like yeah they really yeah. they really should be yeah, like, like right you mentioned mm. you mentioned Hoyoverse right and mm -hmm. I obviously because I'm a human being I've been playing Star Rail and she's like oh my god there's so much shit in that game <laughs> there's so much in that game and like we don't even have a friends list for like three months and I get it you know there are huge differences in terms of capacity obviously Hoyoverse probably has more capacity than yeah basically not in terms of earnings though I don't think these guys with these fucking six thousand dollar cards like they're probably doing like they should be be able to hire people like this idea of a small team is like i feel like at this point the 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 romance of a small studio being behind marvel snap is like dude they're doing really 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 well like i they think they are doing very yes well. so at this point no more six thousand dollar cards forever and we're going to talk about it high evolutionary is in this dollars six thousand dollars six thousand tokens <laughs> High Evolutionary being a big bad for basically like no reason, and they're talking about re reworking it. Like the we we've known the shop system and the token system was broken. We've gone through some iterations, but at the end of the day, Second Dinner is doing well, and it takes time to do software, obviously, and to roll these things out. But you're right; like eventually, people stop stop sort of just having these starry eyes for for this small indie company, but. Yeah, just a little right. Bit. We have the man with the starriest eyes right now on our podcast, <laughs> and even he is like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I feel like maybe this should have been in the game." It's, it's, yeah. And then, and then, like, uh, like I was saying, I was in Raven's chat the other day as well, mm -hmm. and people were then like me before trying to justify saying, "But we don't need a friends list because there's a thing that you can copy the code and you can." I'm like, Raven's like, right. So you need to open a third party app like Discord or WhatsApp, he's like, I might as well send a pigeon to my fucking friend's house with the code strapped to its leg, like, you know what I mean? So, it's what, like, 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 you know, it's, oh man, it's, oh, it, it's, it's just one of those things, right? And uh, it is, it is like great to see. And that's the one thing that, that you touched on as well, Brendan, is like, they are doing very well. It, it frustrates me on, on some levels as well, in terms of things that I've been talking about, again, they're not too difficult to implement. They actually did tease tease something about I think this this week in terms of like creator support and stuff. Twitch drops, Twitch drops for this game would do so well. You know, Twitch exclusive avatars, Twitch mm -hmm. exclusive variants. People would watch, especially like to, to motivate people that just play on mobile. Oh, let me watch this stream for an hour and I can get this. I can get fifty credits. So I can get this free type of thing, right? And I know this is something that they are actively working on. They said they want to try bringing it out when they have their full widescreen client because you know it's going to be like a new version of the game a new viewing experience which i suppose makes sense but again it's uh, i'm kind of between this like sometimes i get so frustrated because i know the capabilities that how they can help us but it's just not co it's not here yet you know what i mean i'm like it kind of should be here you know what i mean so it's yeah. definitely tough but the what's funny too is the ultimately the reason why we've let all that happen we've kind of played this game we've been all started is because i do think at the end of the day, unfortunately, despite the monetization, despite the lack of features, Second Dinner has made the best card game that I believe has ever been created. And it is, it's good. And I think that it's, it's good. Really I think good. it can be great. And we're, we're on, we're sort of on that track. And I also agree with you, Kamala, that I think that competitive Marvel Snap is actually fascinating for many reasons. I think it does have high level depth that players can, you know, their input in terms of practice does relate 
to their output and tournament performance. I think that is very sort of rewarding for for a person looking to be competitive in a game. On top of that, when you look at viewing experience, the Magic the Gathering Pro Tour is happening right now. I've played Magic. I understand Magic. For me to go watch standard Magic, it's it's like pulling teeth. It's tough. You have to learn everything. There's so much going on. There's triggers, etc. This game, there's a few cards in the deck. They all have visual explanations of what they do. And like Cam has said in a past podcast, our advantage bar is literal numbers on the lane. It's super easy to understand who's winning and who's not. And if any card game is ever going to be an eSport, I think it's Marvel Snap. You know what yeah. would really help in this card game becoming an eSport? Spectator mode? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I think that might really help. I think that might the, the ability to actually, you know, spectate a game of Marvel Snap to watch it perhaps might be a component to it being broadcast. You have no idea how much I want this. Oh my. I know, you know exactly how hard how it is. Want. I ran a tournament. I, yeah. I run a tournament. Yeah. I know exactly how much yeah. you want this. Mm-hmm. Probably yeah. you, you obviously want it like, you know, several degrees more than me, but I no, understand. But you understand exactly. yeah. like, I get yeah. it. Yeah. It's it's so it makes it so difficult that we have to capture this. We have to capture that. And yes, we can do it. But if there was a spectator mode, it would be so much so much easier and everyone wants it and like the fact that it's gonna come when we have like a friends list right similar to like hearthstone like you can say oh here's my friend playing let me see what he's what he's doing but it would just help out the scene so much and yeah like the esports scene unfortunately is not gonna really take off until we until mm-hmm. we get that you know maybe maybe 2024 if we're lucky <laughs> just, yeah. just give me spectator yeah. mode like I, yeah. I i that's that is in my opinion, there's a bunch of other stuff, right? Like, you know, Twitch drops would be super mm-hmm. cool. Of course, like of course. That. But like spectator mode is to me the number one ask. But the thing is to us it is then, it's number two. Number one to, is make the game cheaper. But <laughs> of course. <laughs> number two. To, to to us it's like what we want, right? And we can see the yeah. potential and why it's good. But then to everyone like they're looking at everyone else, and obviously they've got other key features, like we we're saying. To us it's all we want, right? But if they're looking at everyone else, if they release that a minority of people are going to be super, super excited about it. And yes, it will really help the game. But like anytime I've asked the, the devs about, oh, this or that, or whatever, yeah. they're like, we have a roadmap for a reason, which which makes sense, right? They have their priorities. They have the stuff that they want to do. Of course, they want to do all the stuff down down the line. What we want, it's, 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 it's weird. Sometimes I really kind of have to go out of what my fucking brain wants and what does... Not even just like the community, but like what what what's just going to be good for the game in general to grow. It's obviously going to be good, but... For everyone else, it's not going to be like, oh, the spectator mode, I'm going to play loads more of this game now, you know? It's like... Yeah, it's not an engagement driver outside of content, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. if they're not hyper-invested in content as a driver of engagement, it's not going to be something that's going to be high up their mm-hmm. priority list. I'm, yeah, all, I'm, sure. I'm really interested to see, because you talked about content creator support, I'm interested to see if they do a content creator model like Fortnite does, if you're aware of it, with the sort of content creator codes yeah. uh, when it comes mm. to buying uh, variants, credits, etc. Because, I mean, yeah, I, like that fully supports the content creators in that game. I haven't seen it implemented in a lot of other games, um, but I think that they did it fantastic. I think it would work really well in a game that's dominated by cosmetics like this one is. Mm-hmm. I've actually asked them about like, how, how does the artist stuff work? Because I, I, I don't know why yes, in my brain... That's a really I, in, good, we brought my, that up. Did they get in paid? My, in my in my brain, yeah, but they don't get paid by like whoever makes the pixel variants. Good God, like they no one's no one's <laughs> yeah the, the no studio one. it's a studio G yeah no no one, no one's buying them so it's not like they're making commission off of who how many people buy the the pixel variants but it is definitely interesting to kind of think about it you know but there's so many different things again like that's a whole other thing to talk about in terms of the shop and being able to oh can I re-roll variants can I choose to 
not have these appear? Can I, you know, disenchant them for different ones? That's a whole different kind of conversation. But I, I was actually, that's something I was considering as well. It's like, if they had a creator code, it would be a great way to just support the creators more. Like the only thing that I kind of know in terms of what could be good for creators that is confirmed to be coming at the moment is the kind of like guild system or the clan system. They did kind of talk about that a little bit, which will be fun. But in terms of real support, yeah, the codes would be super dope. And I agree, like I haven't seen that implemented in any other games besides Fortnite personally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, speaking of content creators, I want to ask both of you as content creators, I know Cam, you've kind of answered this on a podcast, but we're a couple of weeks into OTA changes um, and a couple of months into new cards every week. How... I think I was about to prime that question along. How awesome is it as a content creator to have that? Because I feel like every single week, especially at these OTAs, which I think have been a massive success, um, like we just have new stuff to engage with. A new card, you know, if you play something like a Hearthstone or God forbid you play like a um, like a Flesh and Blood, like me in paper, you can be waiting months in between sets and things get stale, etc. But I feel like in Marvel Snap, for content creators, we are just absolutely spoiled. Do you all agree? It fits, right? It fits mm -hmm. the game model. The game model is about moving fast. They move fast. It's good. I worry what happens like when they run out of ideas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like you don't just want to be making balance changes for the sake of making them. But like they've just sort of made good balance changes. Like the, the, I don't. When's the last time they did a patch and everyone was like, "Man, this sucks." <laughs> like I can't. Is the one where they didn't nerf Shuri, right? Mm -hmm. That's the last time. Mm -hmm. And even then, it was like. A technical limitation because they tried to OTA Red Skull down, right? Like that was their that was their big whiff was like we can just OTA Red Skull down and that'll kill the Shuri deck, and they were wrong, right? Like that is, I think basically they get it. I think their balance team gets it right now. Uh, they understand what balance generally looks like, and also I think more importantly, because this is the most important thing, they understand what fun looks like. Mm -hmm. It's not a coincidence that the they're nerfed. baby. Just kidding. Sorry. I, know, I just want to trigger some people that are listening. <laughs> it's not a coincidence that their nerf to Shuri was to say, you can't play this with Cosmo anymore. Mm -hmm. That's effectively what it read. It might as well have just been like, you can't play these cards together anymore. That was the entire point of that nerf. And that's good because the more those cards that just say you can't do anything are in the metagame, the more annoying it is to play any matchup of, of any deck, right? Turning off interaction is bad. Taking the best, taking the cards that turn off interaction out of the best deck in the game is good. And so it's not just balance, it's fun. And I think they've correctly, correctly worked on that, in my opinion. Yeah, they changed Leech as well. That was a card everyone complained about because it's an anti-fun yeah. card. I can't do anything that's changed it, and it's been great. I haven't seen a Leech. They changed Lockjaw, in... and everyone yeah. was worried it would be bad. I'm not even sure. I'm like 70% sure, actually, that it was a buff to Lockjaw outside of the Thanos context. Like, I'm pretty sure it was like a buff. But yeah. I, I like they just did. They did everything right. They have gotten everything right since that patch. And I, mm. I guess my worry would be like, maybe we think this stuff is good because they are getting everything right. 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 Like they're finally they're using OTAs as an opportunity to go back and tune cards that I've wanted tuned since the beta. I remember pitching collector to two two as soon as that happened, because it was very clearly not going to be great now. But now it's like, oh, this is like a legitimate two cost card. This is a legitimate card that might actually be one of the best cards in its mm -hmm. slot in the very specific deck that you want to run it in. Perfect. Like, and now they have this ability. They're doing a lot of things that, frankly, I think should have happened a while ago in terms of just card balance and design, but they're getting around to it. And I guess my worry would be when they run out of these obvious things, what happens when there's an OTA yeah. scheduled and they're like, we're happy with this? Do they skip an OTA? Yeah. Like, do they just say, oh, it's yeah. fine. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think they keep tweaking numbers. And honestly, I think it's going to come at the the cost of them, you know, occasionally kind of breaking something. But because it's an OTA, they can maybe just fix it the next week. I'm actually, I'm very much, uh, I'm behind the design philosophy of fun, somewhat first, not too much that would make the game suck in terms of like variance and, it's, and you can't, you know, it's just like one deck that's good. But, you know, if they're going to break, if they're going to break something on making something one power too much here and there, I'm okay with that because I want cards to rotate and I want cards to be viable. Like, I think the Enchantress buff is pretty good, you know, like, like now, great. yeah, Enchantress Everyone doesn't freak out about it. It was great. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty good. But like, if Enchantress eventually needs to be a 4-5 because a little bit too much of a free roll for the effect, that's fine for me. We can push it back down to a 4-5, but I'm happy they made it a 4 six and i felt like that was it was ambitious right but it worked out and i think it worked out really well but i do think that you know they took a chance with that one specifically i i don't even think it's taking a chance i think they looked at what they had available numbers wise and made the exact correct decision mm. which is enchantress exists and we are still ongoings are still everywhere it's so it's to the point that super scroll is better than enchantress <laughs> that's ridiculous like that's they, that should not be the solution to this and so to look at enchantress be like not just one little tweak up we need to like sincerely put this card into people's brains so they are playing this card and there is not the significant downside that there otherwise would be and you look at the result devil dino is gone yeah. completely replaced in his own deck and like that's another card where it's like that's a genuine balance problem. Devil Dino has always been one of the strongest five cost cards, and now because they changed the context around him, he sucks. <laughs> He's genuinely not very good. Or I, I will say this: I don't actually think Dino sucks. Kind of an underrated archetype right now. Still runs Cosmo. You definitely have the ability to do things like that. But like, is that the fine print right there? <laughs> it matters. Yeah, that's the fine print at the end of the commercial where I'm like, uh, you know, if you actually listen to some ladder, I am not liable for you losing many ranks. <laughs> hey, that's but yeah, no, it's it's really really smart in my opinion for them to do what they did. And I think more than that, changes like Enchantress are exactly what they should do. They should take those chances. They should make more calls like this because the OTA, you talked about this, it gives them safety. But also, I think they're right a lot more than you might think about what needs to happen and about what is and is not safe to change, especially more than the community is. We as a community are so wrong about so many things one of the number one things that the, the probable number one balance opinion among the community, based on my entirely subjective experience of existing on Discord, was Mr. Negative restricts design space. Mm. Mr. Negative restricts design space. Every time something got nerfed, you'd be like, oh, it's better with Mr. Negative. Oh, it's better with Mr. Yeah. Negative. Oh, man, they can't make any good cards because of Mr. Negative. No. No. And then someone asked Glenn Jones, does Mr. Negative restrict design space? He was like, no. Not at all. This card does not restrict design space at all. In fact, I have specifically made cards work better with him because I do not think he restricts design space at all. And it's like, that is just like the, the amount to which our perception of how cards work and their ability to actually look at numbers differs and informs their perception to make it more accurate. I think they should take more chances, basically. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think if there's a big difference in opinion on a card between them and the community, they're probably going to be right about it. Mm -hmm. Kyle, uh, did yeah. you have anything on, on OTAs there? Uh, the OTAs, I think, so far have been really, really good. 
like every the only thing yeah like he goes to says like oh an issue like oh it's enchantress and then like am said no like what they did was just right mm-hmm. we as a as a community instantly are gonna try and overreact to something that's like oh my god it's white queen stats it's insane it's like no you start playing it and it's really really good and yeah. the one thing i will say is i i was like really frustrated at a time probably between let's say like i don't know like january february march with the balance i don't know not the balance team but just like the balance in the game right like there's obviously the shuri the leader the zabu this i was like oh they don't know what they're doing it's this it's that it's taking so long but like to have ota like the past three weeks mm-hmm. since since yeah the past like three weeks weeks since that kind of ota th- thing came out uh it's been so good because i really do feel like for the most part there's so many decks that you can actually like kind of win it, it's just compared to what it was before there's so many decks you can play and you can still win with them right like and even like what km said there about like oh dino decks are dead now because enchanter just run a cosmo or kind of do make one or two tweaks to a deck and it's still there it's still viable like people can get really good statistics running a devil dino darkhawk deck with cosmo because it just stops the enchantress and people think because enchantress is there oh i'm just not gonna i'm just not gonna play that deck at all because it's gonna counter me like you know what i mean like the ot the otas overall have been really beneficial for the game extremely beneficial and uh, all the changes they've made so far i agree with 100 mm. yeah huge huge shout out to them nerfing sandman by the way because one of i think the most powerful things an ota does is affect player perception mm. yes that's mm. what it does probably more than anything else i think there is a decent chance you know dino is still good or sandman is still good or whatever but with these kind of changes giving people new things to play with giving people new things to experiment with you push things up and down people's mental wish lists right and by the time they get around to realizing sandman is still good well another ota happened and they're playing the whatever just changed that's what the real like that's why the meta has felt so fluid here is because Everyone is always in a state of experimentation still. Mm-hmm. And that's a really interesting dynamic to have. Yep. 100%. Yeah. There was uh, something that was said pretty recently um, in regards to high evolutionary. Uh, the c- confirmation that high evolutionary is going to be a big bad, which means that it will stay at 6,000 tokens. So to get y'all's opinion on the big bad system and things staying at that sort of tier five price a big old thumbs down from km <laughs> yeah km take it away I, I agree with i know exactly what you're gonna say i just i already pre-agree with all of it go for it sucks yeah <laughs> yeah do you want to do want me to do more sucks yeah. <laughs> like uh i i i think it is really frustrating and i think the specific vein in which it is frustrating is and what every time they release a card that's like a bunch of cards in one we just have to assume that it's going to go to series five now even though like high evolutionary is just like some random marvel villain and like null and dr doom are going to be in series three like what does the status even mean mm-hmm. why can't they do something where big bad status is an upside i don't know you reach three thousand collection level pick a big bad for free there's a ton of ways to make this an upside uh big bads have their own section in the shop and they cost five thousand instead of six thousand there's so many ways for this to be a good thing when something gets put in big bad but instead the only possible upside people see is oh well at least i know i should buy it mm-hmm. what at all- least my at least my investment doesn't depreciate and it's like yeah your investment doesn't depreciate on a thing you otherwise would have gotten for free and yeah inve- like what are we talking about it's a big here? old investment omega wall but one thing that all the big bad stu- cards do is that they allow you to interact in a, interact with the game in a way that is extremely unique and yes. i think that's 
not a reason to make them big bad. That's actually a reason to make them no. not big bad. Um, yeah, there's but, like, why are the coolest cards in the game the most expensive cards in the game? Yeah, it, 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 like, is that like, I get it, like, it probably would make money, but is that the kind of decision making you want where it's like, hey, you want to actually have fun? You want to actually have fun? You better spend 6,000 tokens, buddy. So I had a bit of a revelation last week uh, because this was announced. And I have some friends, some personal friends I've known for you know 10 plus years that aren't card gamers, you know, but they have Marvel Snap. And they always DM me in regards to cards like this. Because like, should I buy it? Should I not? And I'm like, dude, I don't fucking know. Let some streamer buy it and then you figure out if it's good. <laughs> um, but... What they do, and like the if I think that if you're in sort of a more normal scenario and how you're engaging with the card economy of Marvel Snap, you look at cards in a way of like, will this ever go down in tokens? So the the series five cards that come out is like series five now and takes all my money, or series five in two months, in three months. And they look at all these cards as cards they can get in two to three months when they rotate down to series three or something that's worth buying. And my revelation was that even if someone is playing a rank thirty rank 50 they play when they take a shit and that's all that's the only time they play card gamers only want good decks nobody wants to play a bad deck everybody wants to play the good card and i've been preaching this since we've had this podcast is the idea of a unique collection it sucks nobody likes that nobody likes to get beat by a card and then not have it and then go through it's like okay you can get it three months of farming or you can get it in a thousand dollars of whaling in a week i digress yeah big bad not I mean, good. I, I want to say on the other side of that, I don't want to win because I own a card. No, nobody wants That's to pay ridiculous. to win. Pay to win kills every game, right? If pay to win yeah. is is in front of you, you're like, fuck this game. I would never play that. Nobody would ever play a pay to win game. But when there's like systematic pay to win weaved into the sort of the, the structure of it and nobody notices, it's like then you start to be like, hmm, I guess, yeah, if you can't afford High Evolutionary and it's a great card, kind of sucks for you, huh? <laughs> yeah, you know, you know this whole thing of people who've been like uh, the Marvel Snap community have been kind of, uh, I don't know, brainwashed into thinking that some things are good for the game. When if you take a step back, it's really, it's really not like trying to justify. Oh no, but it's good because you know you save your like. There's there's kind of a lot of things you can kind of dive into, but a lot of people think that oh no but like the big bad is good because you know you just save your tokens and you can get it and you know it's like you said like oh it justifies because if i spend my tokens on this uh it's never going to drop so it makes sense and stuff like this do you know what i mean like mm -hmm. it's it's the whole perception of like no i'm making a good decision i'm like yeah you know but what's gonna happen when someone with two thousand tokens logs on sees that and lose to, loses to it they'll be like damn I'm not getting 4,000 tokens anytime soon ever, and I'm just going to lose to this card. The only way to balance something like this is to make them all bad. Mm -hmm. Like, if every big bad was Kang, I wouldn't really have an issue because he's, like, kind of mid, right? Like, but if 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 a big bad is going to be, like, high evolutionary where it's, like, A, doing incredibly powerful things. I'm not going to go on record and be, like, I'm positive. High evolutionary will be in a top-tier deck. Don't clip that out of context. But... It's a card that has that potential. And if the idea is like one of the things that makes a good card good in card games is pushing boundaries. And if every card that pushes boundaries is by definition more expensive forever, well, then a lot of good cards are going to be that. It's not to say the only kind of good card is going to be like a big bad style design, but a lot of cards that would otherwise be a cool acquisition are going to be stuck in big bad if this is the trend 
a card that breaks the rules in really strong ways, a card like Galactus, a card like Thanos, a card like High Evolutionary. It's not a coincidence that these cards, by virtue of being incredibly unique and powerful effects, are really damn good. Yep. And the more they push that design envelope, the more they say the things that push that envelope are going to be Perma Series 5, the closer we get to pay to win. Yep. like Just by virtue of the factors that exist. If we just look at Big Bad, you want to blow up lanes and have pseudo world ship and do that. Very unique. Galactus. You want to draw cards? Thanos. You want to change the text on cards? The High Evolutionary. You want to, you want to free roll a snap? Kang. Like, you just can't do that shit with any other cards in the game, and they feel fresh, because a lot of decks, I don't care if it has Shang-Chi, or if it's a Surfer deck, like, you're just kind of point-slamming, and yes, there's a lot of tension, I understand, but like, the big bad cards, they are very unique, and they're very fresh, and sometimes you've played enough Marvel Snap, you're like, let me just go Galactus some kids, you know? No, I don't. Yes, That's youth. Come on, but come on. <laughs> Kang is a great card too. All right, Kawa, University. So I remember seeing a tweet from you a while ago. <laughs> oh my God, yeah. Yeah, saying you were going yeah. to step away from content creation and focus on university. Then we fast forward a few months and you're waking up at 3 a.m. to join this podcast. So where, what happened there? Yeah, so uh, I was going to take a, take, take a step back from, uh, from university. Uh, or from, oh, from content creation, Jesus, yeah. Um, <laughs> you clearly well, did well, one of those. Well, Freudian <laughs> slip there. I mean, the big thing was uh, I was very focused on Snap. I love this game so much. Uh, I realized that I had to take a step back because I'm approaching the very end of my four-year university cycle, nearly there, two weeks, actually a week and I'm done. Uh, and I was like, I'm putting my all into Snap because that's what I want to do. But I'm also at the end of this four-year journey. I want to get it done. I don't want to fail to have to do it all again or not my, get my degree or whatever. But Snap's become such an integral part of my life. We're coming up to like the one-year anniversary of when I first started playing, first started making content, May 22nd last year. Announcement was May 19th for, for Snap. Uh, and it's something that I, I will keep doing. I want to keep doing. Uh, I have actually a big decision that I need to make in the summer uh, because it's, do I want to do content full-time? Or do I want to go get a job, a real job, as, as people as people would say? And then, of course, I will keep doing content, uh, that type of thing. But yeah, it's a huge dis decision in front of me. Um, obviously, I want to do well in, in in university and stuff like that. But like I said, I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. My main goal is 100% at the moment. Yeah, I can get a job and do these, these type of things. But I still want to try and grow this game in as many ways as possible, particularly the interest that I've taken within the kind of competitive scene. And I think I can achieve that. I am confident, like what I was able to achieve from the last event, I am immensely proud of because I don't think a lot of people could, would have been able to pull that off with a brand new game mode coming out within two weeks. The battle mode was only out for two weeks and we were able to pull that off, going to a different country, setting up this major kind of event. Uh, yeah, I'm confident that I can do everything in my ability to, uh, to grow the scene, and that's going to be my, my goal. If it's going to be part-time, if it's going to be full-time, mm. that's what's going to be, yeah. You said battle mode was only out for two weeks. The tournament was made with the assumption that it would be out, though, right? Oh, my God. What was so, the okay. plan? What oh. was the plan if battle mode didn't come out? The amount of things... So, I think, originally, there was... Back in, whatever, November or whatever, it was kind of saying, we should 
our assumption was we should have battle mode by the end of the year. We saw that in an article. Someone said that from second in the year. We're like, okay, maybe by December, January. It was January. on the roadmap in a group with a bunch of other things that were expected by January. So, yeah, so, yes. so we, were, we were like, January, that's fine. And Ken was expecting his baby in January. So we're like, you know, January is not a good time to do an event anyways. It's straight after the holidays. You know, we want people to have time with their families, that type of thing. So right, February, it's probably good. And I, I guess closer and closer. And luckily it was announced within the 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 January, the Savage Land, right? Yeah, that's when Ben was like, this is the old battle mode and stuff like that, yeah. Um, but then there was like another situation that- <laughs> can, you do the, can you do the Ben impression again? Battle, oh my God. Do you know, we, there's, there's, an, there's an interview that they did with us, the second dinner team, when they came out to, to the event. Uh, yeah. I haven't, I haven't posted it yet, but they got us to do like an impression of Ben. They basically interviewed us on like, what 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 are our thoughts on the future of the- Actually, I should I should release that. It's quite interesting. Uh, yeah, like, why I thought, that- I, dude, yeah. yeah. I, I will, I will, I will release it, but, uh, you know, what are our plans for future events? What do we think? Can the competitive scene be a real thing? That type of thing. Um, but yeah, just coming, coming back to kind of planning around the event. Um, I think you remember they announced that, um, battle mode was going to be region locked. And, uh, that was a big issue. Cause we were like, right. Do we just have to get everyone that's like coming to NA on NA accounts? Like I asked the devs, can we have access to accounts with like all the cards at one stage? And they were like, no. And I was like, okay. Uh, I remember uh, this. I was in yeah. that Discord at the time, and yeah. like you were like, the, I remember the original plan was we just have two fully stocked accounts on NA, and everyone uses those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and, and then it was the situation of like, did did beta accounts count as NA? Because like, uh, when remember people were checking like the right, JSON files locations. and yes. stuff. Everyone, and like my, yes, yeah. My region was like uh, US West. I'm like, I'm not US West, but was that like this thing for like beta at the stage and everything? Luckily, yep. they they told us that they actually had a plan in place that if it was region locked, they would try and sort it out or something. But basically, they said, like, don't worry about it. We'll try our best to do it. And within a week of that message, they were like, right, it's global, which was great. They said they were working towards it. It worked out in the end. But yeah, there was a lot of things we worried about leading up to that event. And I'm just very happy that everything uh, worked oh, out in the end. So if battle mode didn't come out, was there a contingency plan? Uh, we would have done Q-Brush. Mm, <laughs> oh we would have a cube rush. Yeah, that's what we would have done. Well, what else could we have done? Oh my you know, God. Yeah. we're yeah. breaking, we're breaking scoops here. We're gonna yeah. do cube rush with people in bot elo. Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, that's the whole thing with cube rush, right? It, it was, it was, it was always fun. It was like I. Props it was a to great Lou. idea. But there's yeah, a props... reason I never competed. <laughs> <laughs> it's the reason I was doing commentary for that. Oh, they did an man. open one one time, and Agent Carter just farmed three hundred cubes. Like yeah, yeah, that's that's what it's like. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah, that was back before the bots even had access to cards out of series one and two. God, mm. the glory days of bot farming, where Agent Carter hit rank a thousand or whatever. Could could you imagine that we actually did that in New York? There's just one guy that's like, it's like the, the margin of between second and first is ridiculous. Who someone's just in bot elo, and it's they're like, like here's one guy with like a hundred and fifty, and then everyone else is like. And it's like, and it's like, here's five hundred dollars. Congratulations! <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's fucking so stupid. But yeah, I will say props, props to the second in their team. Like, they they worked really hard to get the global out on time. Not on time for our thing, obviously, but like there was communication there, and they helped us out, which I'm really grateful for. Mm -hmm. That's good. All right, Kyle. Anything else for the future for you? I know you've you've kind of told us about your plans to expand further into this competitive scene, model staff, keep growing it, keep pushing the grassroots seed, which I think is incredibly important. Um, potentially, you know, I think that the grassroots, 
like a a thriving tournament scene can exist from grassroots. Um, we don't necessarily need something from Second Dinner. We've seen this happen in plenty of other games. I think it might be a little bit harder in digital games, uh, but still, digital games do have the comp- like the core competency or just competitive edge of appealing to more people. And I guess you have potentially. Uh, an easier chance with just general sponsors because of that. But outside of growing that competitive scene, what are your plans for the future? That's a big, that's a big question right there. It was really just and... one question. I waffled a bunch of shit in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, I don't know. I don't know what the future holds for me. It's actually funny. Like uh, my parents are after seeing what I did in New York, like maybe you could do event, event management. I'm like, hmm, maybe Maybe I could. I like that. That LAN event was the first thing I ever did, and I know it's it's strange, right? But like, I've made that voice before. <laughs> I've made that voice about stuff my parents tell me before. I know that's not what you're actually. Thinking. The the one thing I will say is my parents have actually been like incredibly supportive of everything that I've done content wise. Which I'm like, they don't understand it. They try to understand it, of course, but they don't understand it. But yeah. I'm super grateful to to them. But yeah, I don't know what the future holds. Uh, I'll keep doing content. Uh, if I go to another game, I go to another game. Who knows? Like, we don't know if Snap's going to be here forever. Snap is basically what I, I made my content on. It's what I love at the moment, and I will continue to play it and, and love it for as long as I can. But yeah, who knows what the what the future has to offer? I'm mm-hmm. open to all opportunities. Mm-hmm. I want to. Do you guys? Do you guys think like when when competitive takes off? I've actually talked to a few different uh, like like orgs about you know what's their view on the competitive Snap scene. That's something mm-hmm. that's quite interesting. And they all keep telling me like they have their eye on it. And obviously they're like waiting to pull the trigger. They're waiting to see if something's going to happen, right? And a lot of people have kind of like asked me as well about the competitive scene. Oh, like, is this the best way to to grow? You're having exclusive streamer invitational in-person tournaments. It's it's like what people don't understand is like it it happens to me on another podcast I have with a different game is people always talk about like, why why don't podcasts have just like, you know, these players that are missing top eight barely, like why don't they bring the new players on? Unfortunately, the way content works is a lot of content, at least initially when both parties are trying to sort of grow is a trade off of audience of signal boosting. And that's why you see like the beginning, it's like it is a lot of streamers and stuff because if they just, if, if you just threw on a tournament and you're like i'm just bringing up all these people that have been on ladder most of the people in marvel snap don't know those people because they're yeah. i mean there is no leaderboard and etc cetera, etc cetera. but if you're like oh i'm bringing all your favorite youtubers your favorite twitch streamers like it just makes it so much more palatable for those people and i promise that those are the steps that push for uh, put like are the progress towards these open tournaments and people being able to make their names etc um when it comes to sponsors go ahead I will say I try to use my platform to highlight exactly the people you're mm-hmm. talking about. Like that is like the thing that I try to do is be like, okay, this you don't know who this person is, but I do because I play them 45 times every day. Like, <laughs> and that like I that is like how what I use to vouch for people. It's what I use to put people on and that's that's what I try to do with that. So like when you talk about like why don't podcasts have those people that uh, like barely missed top cut like 27 times in a row because that demonstrates an incredible level of consistency. I would say hopefully we will be the podcast that has those people mm-hmm. on. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what you can do once you have the honest, once you've been big, like once you're at where you're at, KM, then you can you can do stuff like that. And I think that that is like partially a responsibility for those kind of platforms. And I agree with you. I want to go back to the sponsor thing because it's really interesting. Um, so I'll, I play the other game and sponsorships for teams are relatively common. And the reason it'd be, the reason they are is because monetization is pretty easy. Um, basically, the way that a lot of those people monetize is 
you know, they have the team, they have the brand and it's like, okay, we're associated with this store. And then people will tend to buy from a store, buy their physical cards from a store via like a discount code or some sort of affiliate code. So there's some sort of like very easy symbiotic relationship there to monetize off of this like publicity. When it comes to Marvel Snap, that affiliate model is obviously not there. So I think at the end of the day, it has to be eyes and audience and it's just like general marketing, right? One hundred percent. And like from for me, kind of approaching sponsors and all, I'm really trying to think of what's going to appeal to a Marvel mobile game, right? Like I reached out to people that do like Marvel phone cases, like officially branded stuff like that. You know, basic basic things. Like, are other mobile games going to try and sponsor stuff? You know, like can a Marvel game sponsor another Marvel game? Like Marvel Strike Force sponsoring this Marvel Snap tournament stuff. Like, like there's there's loads in my mind. I'm like, what sponsors actually want to try and support? an event like this sponsors like samsung right they make perfect sense but like are samsung gonna you know well can i get in to- can i kind of get in, yeah, t- exactly. in contact yeah, like, with samsung exactly so you know but but one thing i have noticed is the people i have reached out to that have been really supportive even some brands that i wasn't really expecting to get an answer of they're like oh i play this game on my phone i know about it and it's those people because the game is clearly it is so big people are playing it on their phones it's those people that are kind of the most supportive about it because they know about the game i have like the little blurb explaining what snap is and they don't people that read it they don't give a shit but if they play it and they understand it it's a huge incentive for them to want to do something so yeah the space is really difficult like i said i've been very fortunate now that um the community have helped out a lot and uh, i'm on track to getting some good sponsors for this mm-hmm. event and one final thing i want to point out like you were saying km about the kind of more competitive people that aren't as well kind of like showcased or, or recognized this event coming up in the uk will 100 show the comp- both the competitors and the creators like that's one thing i want to try and highlight is it's going to be a mix of the of both like we want to have like really big creators to kind of showcase the event but there will be people there that would be considered more competitors than content creators if that makes sense yeah yep. for sure you mean moyan <laughs> M- moyan and other people <laughs> Dude, yeah, I feel yeah. like at this at this point, Moyen's Moyen's big. I mean, if you want, if you want Declas, if you want an hour long breakdown got, of a got, tournament, he's got like two thousand followers yeah. on Twitter now. Moyen, you, can't, you can't be a content creator. You can't not be a content creator at yeah. that. Have point. you seen my name? Uh, my 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 new name is Budget Moyen. Budget. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I did. I did actually yeah. see that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, awesome. Moyen's brain. I the amount I learned from that man. Oh my god. Like you were saying about depth, the amount of, like, we were running, like, mirror matches of Sandman versus Sandman, and he was, like, pointing out stuff that I'm like, my brain would never see this. It's crazy, because you think Snap is so simple, but, like, when he talks about it, I'm like, (laughs) the amount of stuff he's running through in his brain is crazy. I don't know how people think Snap is so simple. I'm going to be honest with you, I really don't. Like, I get it, it's probably more simple on average than a game of Hearthstone that can go, you know, 20 turns or whatever, but, like... I don't know how people look at this game and be like, yeah, this is easy to be good at. Mm. Like, I think the whole I, thing, I of, a lot of it is playing around your opponent. And if you're ignorant of what you could play around, yes. then it's simple, right? If you don't have to play around 50 million things and it's simple, but once you know, you're like, shit, well, I guess if they have the Dr. Doom and they have the, you know, there's always these corner cases that you're playing around to sort of lower your risk, uh, your sort of your risk portfolio or whatever in a certain game. I think one deck that's really good at teaching people this is play discard. And then if you play discard, you're going to be in like 10 situations every ladder session where you have to read your opponent and say, where are they going on the final turn? Because mm. you have to get it exactly correct. You have to exactly nail where they're going with what their possible range is. 
It, it happens so often with that deck putting you in 50-50s and read situations. I think that's one that's one of the things that's like it's such a simple deck to play, but you need to be able to understand ranges and mm-hmm. make reads if you want to be good. It's a deck that tests your fundamentals. Yeah, Snap does the layer one, layer two, layer three thing, I think better than any other game. Because in other games, I think the micro is a bit tougher, right? Even in Hearthstone and Magic, where you're like, okay, am I making the optimal play? Am I getting the most value out of my card? Snap, it's like, once I can respect my opponent, know where they are, we both know the optimal play. We know the list and we know the line, but now mm-hmm. I have to go layer two. And when I go layer two, they go layer three. And it's like, that's where you get into this like kind of poker element, which adds, I think, incredible depth to sort of the end game of model snap makes super fun I think, it, I think it also comes down to like the fact that uh, you're only making very you're making much less decisions compared to other card games like in hearthstone like you play a card you target cards you're playing like the amount of inputs you're doing you're dragging a card you're placing a card you're pressing end turn and it actually sometimes it, it i don't know it's a bit of a side thing, but sometimes it annoys me when I see people on Reddit saying, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you got a card that said, like, discover this or choose from your deck? I'm like, but that's not how Snap works. Like, they would f- have to fundamentally change how their game works if they have something that actually says, like, oh, let me choose a card to destroy. Like, that's not Snap. Snap is you put down a card. The only other interaction I think at the moment that we have with Snap is you move, right? Like, you can move cards. So how simple it is and, like, the, the kind of very minimal inputs is, again, something that makes the game super it's unique. A- Mm-hmm. board game yeah exactly it, that's it it's a yeah. board game yeah. yeah i mean howard the duck is going to be interesting seeing the top of your deck i don't know how it's going yeah, to work oh, tap input. Input. Little tap, tap, yeah, extra yeah. input which i think is a really smart way to do that Dude, honestly it's like well, that's like, so awesome. clever yeah. that's so clever man like mm. that's such a they're so good at their jobs in terms of working within the constraints that they have mm. i would yeah. have never come up with ongoing click this card to do a thing yeah. That's yeah. so good. And it's such a it's also it's not a thing that impacts the board. It's not a thing where like you click it and your opponent is looking away and they're like, what happened? It's a thing that only impacts your experience. It's so clever. They're so mm-hmm. good at it. I think yeah. I think you know what I want, Cam, which is Howard the Duck, but you see the opponent's top card. A little, little lantern <laughs> control Howard the Duck. That would be That's awesome. What I, I think someone actually made a custom card of Howard before where it was like when he's on the board ongoing, like you see one card. In your opponent's hand no, maybe not ongoing but like on turn six or on turn five you see one card in your opponent's hand turn five i think it I was might be an idiot but i think that card would be insane oh no no, that card would be busted but like i'm saying the, <laughs> the idea the idea of it yeah i mean if you saw if you if it was turn five see what card your opponent's about the top deck that's obvious yeah. that's pretty insane too yeah. you know yeah, like but like the the on the howard the duck lantern control idea like yeah i just know their entire hand by turn six by playing yeah. that on it turn would be one. Yeah, like that's that's, yeah. that is that's the most ridiculous sure. thing yeah. anyone has ever come up with maybe never maybe it's like maybe it's like a four <laughs> minus five <laughs> just like the most egregiously poorly static car okay oh, like, cool i'll carnage it on the final yeah, yeah exactly. exactly i'll viper it yeah <laughs> and they can see my card yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Negative. <laughs> Classic. Oh um, God, it uh, actually is restricting design space. We found the design that it actually restricts is a four negative five. Dude, just wait until Mephisto comes out. Oh yeah. <laughs> Don't even you did you did you did that. That's bait. You did that specifically to get me started. That's just bait. I'll I'll dive into that bait though anyway. That card's not real. People keep posting that card like it's real. Do you know how many other cards came out of that data mine? War Machine as a 4-5 Kazar, which is exactly what Kazar's stat line was at the same time. Like, these cards aren't real until they're real. And so it's like, I can't wait for Mephisto. It's like, well, I'm pretty sure you can. 
I'm pretty sure you can wait for Mephisto. I'm pretty sure you're going to have to get used to that one. Well, Kala, thanks so much for coming on. Great conversation. Um, I'm really, really excited to see what you do, especially in the tournament scene, growing the grassroots, uh, et cetera. Can you, for our audience, tell us, tell them where to find you, what you're up to, all your channels, streaming, YouTube, shorts, which we didn't get to talk about. I would love to talk to you about the shorts, um, et cetera. 100%. Yeah. So you can find me on YouTube at just Kawa. That's probably what I want to say I do my most consistent stuff, which is literally at the moment, it's one video per week on the new card. I know no one cares about the new card because you can't get the new card. But if you want to see the new card, <laughs> you can see it on my channel every Tuesday because I'm a big fat whale. Um, I'm twitch.tv slash Kawatech. If you want to see me live playing some of these tournaments, I won a tournament today. Super happy about that. And then on Twitter, it's just at Kawatech underscore CG posts, different deck lists, my thoughts on the game, what I think is good, what I think is bad. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. Once again, thank you very much for having me on. It's been an absolute blast. And if you ever want me back, you know, for if the tournaments take off, it'd be my, my honor to, to come back. <laughs> Appreciate that. It's been a pleasure having you here. You were a fantastic guest. Yeah, appreciate it. I'll do a little housekeeping before we close out. And that's just going to be, if you listen to this podcast and you enjoy it, the number one thing you can do is give us a, a review at ratethispodcast.com slash snapshot. Um, it helps so, so, so much. Um, if you want to get your question read out for the Bend and Snap, I know we kind of skipped over it. I was going to uh, say, we didn't do that. We had So I had a little Bend and Snap. It was my Bend and Snap. It was a story about my friend being 2K collection level and being monobot ELO, which is wacky uh but next week you if you shoot us a it's comment bend an anecdote yeah bend an anecdote you shoot us a if you just a question on the youtube comments we'll get it queued up um so yeah do that there's a video version of this on youtube if you're listening on pond platforms at youtube.com slash at the underscore snapshot and cam and i are on twitter at brendan apg and at cam best ms cam does stream on twitch is infinite of course was it a day one infinite that we talked about what is your uh no i specifically i i had the wrong idea about the system mm. i was like if i don't play day one then maybe people will queue into me and this was incorrect because what it meant was everyone I would normally play was already infinite. <laughs> and so my climb was even worse. <laughs> I played like two humans and they were the same guys. It was a day two infinite, but yes, mm. in the first day of playing, I, I did. I did. Well, it. where can people find you on Twitch and what is your, uh, what's your current schedule? You know, I actually should say it technically was a day one infinite in that it was before 24 hours were up. So there you go. Scoreboard, baby. Fuck it. Um, nice. So my schedule, I actually have a schedule now. I've been trying to figure out a proper schedule for like the longest time. I have one now. It's Mondays and Thursdays off and I stream every other day at 6 p.m. We, we got it simplified down. So the days I go into the office, I no longer am streaming on because I felt like I just my brain. I have a limited amount of brain. I, it's very, very small and uh, needs to work very hard to get me through the day. So I don't want to overtax it on days where I actually have to go into the office and like, you know, expend social energy mm -hmm. to be in the office. Right. But on days where I don't have to do that, I will happily be streaming. So that is Monday, Thursday, Wednesday, Saturday, Sunday. Wait, not Thursday. Damn, I don't even know my own schedule. <laughs> Monday Tuesday. it's going to be Monday, Wednesday. Friday, Saturday and Sunday. I'm really talented. You can tell like, <laughs> when I talk about like how my brain gets used up, you can tell that that's true because of how I read that off because yeah. we're doing this right after stream. I really do have a limited brain. Professional mm -hmm. streamer, yeah. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Kawa, thanks again. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye.